Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 19th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, an attorney with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The U.S. Supreme Court cut the time it will take for copycat versions of biologic drugs to get to the market in a pivotal ruling at about an expensive class of medicines that can yield billions of dollars in sales for drug companies. The justices, in a 9-0 ruling, overturned a lower court decision that had prevented Swiss pharmaceutical company Novartis from selling its copycat version of California-based Amgen's Nupagen until six months after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved it. The decision has major implications for the pharmaceutical industry because it will dictate how long brand name makers of biologic drugs can keep near copies called biosimilars off the market. Even the six months at issue in the case can mean hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. Health insurers expect biosimilars to be cheaper than original brands like generics, saving consumers billions of dollars every year. The dispute involved a section of Obamacare that created an expedited path for regulatory approval of biosimilars while trying to respect the patent rights of brand name manufacturers. Novartis complained that the 2015 ruling by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit in Washington handed Amgen an extra six months of exclusivity on top of the 12 years already provided under the law. Rising drug prices are a matter of concern for patients and policymakers. President Donald Trump has criticized the pharmaceutical industry over pricing practices, promising to encourage competition and bring down drug costs. Unlike traditional drugs, biologics are made from living cells and cannot be copied exactly to make generic versions. They are used to treat a range of conditions including Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, plaque psoriasis, breast cancer, and diabetes. The Novartis unit Sandoz began selling Xeroxio in September 2015. It was the first biosimilar drug to win U.S. regulatory approval. Amgen's Nupagen and Xeroxio boost white blood cell counts in cancer patients to help fight infections. After launch, Xeroxio cost 15% less than Nupagen at list prices. Sales of Nupagen, meanwhile, dropped from more than $1 billion in 2015 to just $765 million last year, primarily due to competition in the United States. So Amgen sued Sandoz in 2014, alleging patent infringement and violations of the Affordable Care Act provisions governing biosimilars. The companies disagreed on how to apply that law's requirement that a biosimilar drug maker give the brand name manufacturer 180 days notice before launching its copycat version. In July 2015, the appeals court ruled that the 180-day notice must be given after FDA approval. But Novartis appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court with the Trump administration backing the company's arguments. 
The United States Federal District Court is scheduled to hear a request for a preliminary injunction in a case filed by Dr. Eduardo Anguizola, a man who is facing multiple counts of insurance fraud filed by Orange County prosecutors. He has filed a federal lawsuit that claims SB 1160 and Labor Code Section 4615, which are the anti-fraud law that took effect on January 1, violates his rights to due process of law and to hire and pay his criminal defense attorneys. Other plaintiffs in the federal case include Vanguard Medical Management Billing, One Stop Multi-Specialty Medical Group, One Stop Multi-Specialty Medical Group and Therapy, and NorCal Pain Management Medical Group, medical billing companies, and other businesses connected to the doctor's practice. His request for a preliminary injunction halting the provisions of SB 1160 is scheduled for hearing on June 29 before federal judge George H. Wu. Several years ago, Judge Wu ruled on the constitutional challenge to the reinstatement of the $100 lien filing fee as a result of SB 863 in the Angelotti chiropractic case. The judge issued an injunction against enforcement of the law declaring the filing fee to be unconstitutionally applied to the plaintiffs who filed the case. But he was later overturned by the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in the published case of Angelotti Chiropractic versus Christine Baker, and the lien filing fee was ultimately reinstated after several years' delay. The judge will now rule on the Aguizola constitutional challenges to a new and different lien law on June 29. The California Attorney General has now filed a responsive pleading arguing against the relief requested by the Aguizola plaintiffs. SB 1160 provides that liens are automatically stayed upon the filing of criminal charges against that physician or provider for an offense involving fraud against the workers' compensation system, medical billing fraud, insurance fraud, or fraud against the Medicare or Medi-Cal programs. The California Attorney General argues in opposition to the injunction that these plaintiffs are required to demonstrate that under no circumstances can the labor code be applied in a constitutional manner to anyone, not just these plaintiffs, a showing they have not made. Additionally, the plaintiffs have not shown a likelihood of success in pursuing the liens, which is another requirement and plaintiffs have failed to establish that any of them will suffer any harm, let alone irreparable harm, in the absence of a preliminary hearing. While a criminal defendant who can hire his own attorneys has the right to be represented by the attorney of his choice, that right does not go beyond the individual right to spend his own money to obtain the advice and assistance of counsel. Nothing on the face of Section 4615 interferes with the criminal defendant's ability to hire an attorney. The statute does not prevent a medical provider charged with workers' compensation fraud from using other assets and financial resources to fund his or her defense, including previously reimbursed lien filings. And the liens subject to the automatic stay are merely contingent, subject to potentially years of delay before payment or outright denial. Thus, the Attorney General concludes that the plaintiffs are not entitled to a preliminary injunction halting the enforcement of the Labor Code. 
In a few days, the industry will know how Judge Wu views these issues. And now our crime report. Prosecutors allege that the former owners and managers of Golden Dragon Buffet in Brentwood, New Dragon Buffet in San Leandro, Golden Walk Buffet in Roseville, and Kokyo Sushi Buffet in Hayward were saving money by failing to pay their workers minimum wage and pay the correct workers' compensation premiums. Investigators estimate they committed $4.5 million in wage theft and cheated California out of another $2 million in taxes. A Contra Costa County grand jury indicted eight of Golden Dragon's owners and managers last December on 28 charges including conspiracy, wage theft, and workers' compensation fraud. That same month, authorities raided four locations connected with the buffet chain. But three of the eight owners avoided arrest and fled the country and are believed to be in China. The other five defendants have agreed to plead guilty to some of the charges and prosecutors have asked for sentences ranging from three to six years in state prison. The restaurants have since taken on new ownership, but former workers who testified before the grand jury described being housed in crowded, racially segregated dorms and being bused to work 12-hour shifts six days a week without adequate breaks. The chain's owners recruited workers, mostly recent immigrants, from an employment agency in Southern California. When they got to the Bay Area, some were paid less than $6 per hour, according to the prosecutors. State labor officials say it is considered the biggest wage theft case in Contra, County, Cal, Contra Costa County's history, but the bigger picture, they say, is that this is just a drop in the bucket. 55-year-old Carlos Maria Velarta Fausto of Rancho Palos Verdes surrendered last week after he was charged with two felony counts of insurance fraud for allegedly charging insurers more than $31,000 in fraudulent billings for services provided in his Los Angeles area dental practice. After receiving a complaint from an insurer, the California Department of Insurance launched an investigation which revealed that Dr. Fausto billed multiple insurance companies for dental treatment he did not render to his patients. Fausto has practiced on Vermont Avenue near the County Harbor UCLA Medical Center. He was arrested and booked into the Clara Shortage Foltz Criminal Justice Center and later released on bail set at $25,000. The case is being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office, and the case was referred to the Dental Board of California, which is responsible for licensing dentists in California. Fausto has been licensed by the board since April 1990. Agents for the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided Prove Biosciences, an Irvine company that sells a DNA test it claims can determine whether a patient is at risk of addiction to opioid painkillers. About 25 agents arrived with a search warrant and spent several hours hauling out boxes of documents. An FBI spokeswoman said the raid was part of an ongoing investigation concerning health care fraud, but so far no arrests were made. Prove maintains 
that its test can determine a patient's risk of addiction with 93% accuracy. But in December, experts questioned the scientific basis for the test. And Proof's method of paying physicians to participate in clinical trials, or so-called clinical trials, might violate anti-kickback laws. The company brochure sounded like easy money, $30 for every person enrolled in a study of genetic tests meant to help select the best pain medication for each patient. A typical physician could make $144,000 a year in what they called research fees. And authorities have asserted that these research fees are really hidden kickbacks to physicians in this case and in other medical industries such as compounded pharmaceuticals. For example, Jacksonville-based Well Health Pharmacy and its owner have agreed to pay more than $3 million, as well as 50% of its net profits for five years, to resolve concerns that it knowingly filled prescriptions that were written by referral sources that had a financial interest in the prescriptions. While these referring physicians were purportedly participating in a research study related to compounded prescriptions, the government contends that this research study was a sham and that the compensation far exceeded its fair market value. And topical specialists, a pharmacy based in Jacksonville, Florida, has agreed to pay the government more than $2.2 million for its role in submitting prescriptions that were tainted by so-called research fees, which was an elaborate guise for paying physicians to write prescriptions. And there remain several compound pharmacies who advertise clinical trial programs today on their websites. Proof Biosciences had a 2016 revenue of $28 million. The company was able to collect more than 100,000 DNA specimens, largely because of a regulatory loophole regarding laboratory-developed tests. Essentially, these tests are free from Food and Drug Administration regulation so long as they're designed, manufactured, and used within a single laboratory. Last November, the Obama administration halted plans to close the loophole, and the FDA elected to leave the decision for the Trump administration. The authenticity of a research fee is one more investigatory task for the SIU unit to consider in its claim reviews. And in regulatory news, Harbor Health Systems, a one-call care management company, announced that it is one of the first companies to receive approval from the DWC to offer telemedicine through its medical provider networks. The president of the company said that this approval is a positive step forward in improving access to high-quality care for injured workers. The telemedicine capability and the ability to find physicians who offer this service is especially important in rural areas, as well as to make care immediately accessible 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Through the video teleconferencing capabilities enabled by Harbert's telemedicine partners, injured workers gain immediate access to treatment, eliminating unnecessary costs and delays. For the employer, using telemedicine results in less downtime and reduces transportation costs. 
Injured employees who find it difficult to travel to the doctor's office can now obtain qualified consultations from their home or worksite, keeping the treatment plan on track and moving forward. Harbor's MPN networks cover approximately 2 million employees in the state of California, and Harbor plans to roll out the new telemedicine product across its book of business. The DWC has posted an order adjusting the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system as required by the Labor Code. In California, for purposes of workers' compensation, a physician is defined as a physician and surgeon holding an MD or DO degree, psychologists, acupuncturists, optometrists, dentists, podiatrists, and chiropractic practitioners licensed by California state law and practicing within the scope of their practice as defined by law. The physician fee schedule also covers services of non-physician practitioners such as physical therapists, occupational therapists, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, clinical social workers, clinical nurse specialists, nurse anesthetists, and anesthesiological assistance. Senate Bill 863 required the Administrative Director of the DWC to adopt a new physician fee schedule based on the Resource-Based Relative Value Scale, also known as RBRVS, used in the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule. It is effective for services rendered on or after January 2014. The RBRVS assigns procedures performed by a physician or other medical provider a relative value, which is adjusted by geographic region. This value is then multiplied by a fixed conversion factor, which changes annually to determine the amount of the payment. RBRVS determines prices based on three separate factors. Physician work, 54%. Practice expense, 41%, and malpractice expense, 5%. The physician and non-physician practitioner fee schedule update order adopts the CMS Medicare National Physician Fee Schedule Relative Value File July 1, 2017 quarterly update and the National Correct Coding Initiative Physician Practitioner Services CCI edits July 1, 2017 quarterly update, as well as the National Correct Coding Initiative Medically Unlikely Edits, July 1, 2017 quarterly update. The order adopting the OMFS adjustments is effective for services rendered on or after July 1, 2017 and is posted on the DWC website. In the Cybersecurity Act of 2015, Congress established the Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Task Force to address the challenges the healthcare industry faces when securing and protecting itself against cybersecurity incidents. The task force counts representatives from both private sector and public sector organizations as members and the Chief Information Security Officer for the CMS and Medicaid Services at the U.S. Department of Healthcare and Human Services, as well as other notable organizations. 
The report released to members of both the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives this month offers more than 30 pages of recommendations and imperatives, some of which are bound to be the source of controversy. It concludes that the U.S. healthcare system is plagued by weaknesses from the leadership and governance of information security within healthcare organizations to the security of medical devices and medical laboratories to hiring and user awareness. And many of the risks directly affect patient safety. The task force discussions resulted in the development of six imperatives along with cascading recommendations and action items. All of these reflect the need for a unified effort among public and private sector organizations of all sizes and across all subsectors to work together to meet an urgent challenge. On the controversial issue of medical device security, the report suggests that the federal government and industry might use incentives akin to the Cash for Clunkers car buyback program to encourage healthcare organizations to jettison insecure legacy medical equipment. FDA approval of medical devices can take six years or more, while devices have useful lives that may be measured in decades. But support by vendors like Microsoft, whose software is used to manage medical equipment, ends at around the eight-year mark after initial release, resulting in products that are unsupported for much of their useful life. Recent incidents like the WannaCry outbreak, which disrupted the delivery of medical care at scores of health services facilities, are shots over the bow, warning of what could be far more disruptive and widespread attacks. Healthcare organizations rely heavily on connected medical devices, but most are small and cash-strapped organizations that lack expertise in information security. And in medical news, a synthetic version of a medicine traditionally extracted from chili plant relieved knee pain among osteoarthritis patients for up to six months. This data brought drug maker Centrexion Therapeutics a step closer to developing a safe and effective analgesic. The drug, designed to be injected at the site of the pain, is being developed by the privately held company run by a former Pfizer, Inc. chief executive. Centrexion's drug is a man-made version of chili plant extract, Transcapacian, and it's designed to work by inactivating local pain fibers transmitting signals to the brain. The mid-stage trial tested two doses of the drug against a placebo in 175 difficult-to-treat knee osteoarthritis patients who had failed or were unable to tolerate prior pain therapy. Osteoarthritis affects about 14 million Americans. It is caused by the progressive breakdown and eventual loss of cartilage. And it is characterized by pain, swelling, and decreased mobility of the affected joint. The study showed the drug induced statistically significant pain relief, as well as reduced knee stiffness and improved physical function at 24 weeks after a single injection. With the exploding U.S. rates of abuse 
overdose and addiction to opioids, developing an analgesic with a little side effect as possible has become an imperative. The safety profile of the experimental drug was comparable to that of a placebo, and the medicine is cleared out of the body 24 hours after it was injected. When you eat a hot, chilly meal, you're consuming about 25 milligrams of capacitin, so the systemic exposure from the meal is actually higher. The Boston-based company, which is developing various non-opioid painkillers, expects to initiate a late-stage study later this year. The drug is also being evaluated to treat patients with Morton's neuroma pain as well as canine osteoarthritis. Workers' compensation medical treatment requests must be supported by scientifically-based evidence published in peer-reviewed literature, which is literally hundreds if not thousands of publications. So how might a busy practitioner keep up with this literature? Well, U.S. researchers reporting in the Annals of Internal Medicine say that smart search programs can ease the process of systematically reviewing new medical research, a key step in getting the best practices from laboratories to doctors' offices. The National Academy of Medicine says clinical practice guidelines should be based on a systematic review of the evidence. Systematic reviews are a cornerstone of evidence-based care and a necessary foundation for care recommendations to be labeled clinical practice guidelines. However, they become outdated relatively quickly and require substantial resources to maintain relevance. One particularly time-consuming task is updating the search to identify relevant articles published since the last search. Typically, researchers and their assistants perform computer searches to identify anywhere from a few to thousands of new research studies. Then, they determine which ones are relevant and assemble the information into updated guidelines and recommendations. But, researchers through machines could do more of the job and do it faster. So, they compared machine learning methods with the standard search methods for identifying new information. In all three cases, computers provided only with the titles and summaries of articles included in previous reviews reduced the number of articles researchers had to screen further by 67 to 83%. The approach would shorten the time from completion of research studies to adoption of effective treatments in clinical practice. In the near future, artificial intelligence will also be used to match to individual need with the best available healthcare intervention. One necessary step to get this is proper classification on existing and new generated knowledge. That is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates for past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Lloyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.